0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Fitness Experiment Podcast. This week, Jesse and I are talking about my experiment, Chet, my experiment with the carnivore diet. So all I've been eating for nearly two weeks now is animal foods. So no veggies, no fruits, no nuts or seeds, no breads, just animal foods. So it's a really radical way of eating, obviously, But we're gonna talk about how and why people are using this and why so many people are finding benefits from it. Personally, spoiler alert, one of the biggest things I've noticed is this crazy increase in daily energy and it's just there all day long. You're completely satiated all day long. You don't have cravings, you don't have hunger. The gut feels amazing. And we talk about all of this in this episode. We also share some of the stories of other people on the socials or on the web that are sharing their success with this particular way of eating this holds true especially for those with autoimmune issues so those people that have high levels of inflammation because the quote-unquote diet just helps to massively reduce our overall inflammation and again we get into how and why that is we also talk about the other side of this so Some potential nutrient deficiencies that could creep up if people aren't careful eating this way. And then we also dig into another really interesting concept that doesn't get discussed very often. So this idea of plant toxins, actually. So these are essentially compounds within plants that are defense mechanisms But when we consume these, these can trigger an immune inflammatory response. And again, this is just another reason why some people are finding so much success with this way of eating. I'm sure you have a thousand questions right now because this is such a paradigm shifting concept. It is totally radical. I agree. And we're going to answer all your questions in this episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. So please, if you do like it, if you have any questions, send them our way. And if you like this episode, share it with others. Giving us a review also goes a long way. We would really, really appreciate it. Otherwise, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we had a couple weeks there where we had some guests on and then today Jesse and I have another hot topic for you and um we're in studio today too so yeah this is fun yeah our buddy Adam at
1: London Music Conservatory let us use his uh his drum room to record so and then also drop some knowledge about sound and things that yeah <laughs> we don't know but It's going to start sounding better and better every week from here on out. We got some pretty solid help. Yeah, huge
0: thank you to Adam for having us in here. This is Wicked Space. And also, I think we need to say a huge just shout out and thank you to people who have been maybe new listeners tuning in as of late. We were kind of just checking out the couple episodes in particular as of late that we recorded. Like the Game Changers one has just been going up and up and up, and it seems like Still, like the past couple of days, it's been increasing. So huge, thank you to everyone tuning in, listening to that one. And I hope that, I mean, that one too. I I hope that you know people do take a good listen to that one, and maybe, I guess, like adopt maybe more of like a critical mindset around right. some of those documentaries especially the ones about nutrition and health and that type of thing and so yeah i hope people get some value out of that one we've had some amazing feedback so far so thank Mm you yeah i think that's the biggest takeaway is what you said there the critical thinking
1: aspect of watching anything or learning anything you're getting information secondhand from somebody who got that information from somebody else and you don't know where the motivation came from to create whatever got created. So being skeptical is super valuable to yeah. increasing your knowledge and increasing um, just kind of like the wave like that you're on from being a consumer because you, you have a responsibility as a consumer to sift through all the bullshit and make sure that what you're taking in and what you're applying – to what you do every day is actually going to be beneficial for me, for you and experimenting with things, knowing that you might end up being wrong and that might seem like you're kind of wasting time. So say, say you listen to the game changers documentary and it inspired you to eat more of a plant-based diet and you try it and you experience X, Y, Z, it doesn't matter, positive or negative. That's, that's kind of our whole premise of this whole thing that we're doing here is like, that's part of the whole fitness experience, oh, yeah. right? Like that's, that's good. And you tried it and whatever came out of it came out of it. And we're not here to say that it's wrong or right, because especially from an experience standpoint, like if you're actually in there experimenting with different, uh, fitness routines or different diets and, in this case for the game changers it's a plant base then you're gaining knowledge and it's practical knowledge and stuff that you can back up with how you felt and you know whether or not it was right for you or not so i think that's it's fun it's cool and i know you've been experimenting the last couple of weeks with kind of the opposite end of the spectrum so i'm curious yeah. and interested to get
0: into that and see yeah how I'll, that went. I'll get into that for sure but i think that's a hell of a point and i totally agree i'm happy you brought that up um it's definitely like even if you're feel some negative side effects or symptoms from something whether it be like a diet or anything else that's a damn good point is that it's it's just it's not a waste of time by any means it's just a learning experience and it's that's what life is so yeah yeah, that's sweet i like it i think when documentaries
1: like these come out too it's People will take it, and now that like that's, that's a be-all, end-all. So it turns into – we kind of touched on in the past how diet and nutrition can turn into a religion-like obsession very quickly, really identify as one thing or the other. But yeah, yeah. it doesn't have to be like that. It can, it can be an experiment to find what works best for yeah. you in your life and your function.
0: Yeah, and that reminds me. I think if one people – so let me put it this way. Like when it comes to nutrition, diet, whatever, I think there's always, always, always a lot of, there's always a lot of room for interpretation, right? To kind of summarize. But I think one thing that always holds true 100% of the time, one thing that I like thinking about is there's not, I don't think a diet should be, and I don't even like that word. I've said that before, but I don't think a diet should be like just this or that. I think we need to think of nutrition and "quote unquote" diets more as existing along a continuum. So, like, you don't have to be or like identify with like, you know, I'm keto, I'm carnivore, I'm plant based, I'm vegetarian or vegan. It's like, if you want, sure, but who really cares? Like, you can have a little bit from both. So that's part A. Is it, it should exist along a continuum. Reason being is because B. Nutrition is so individualized. There's things that work for some people that are absolutely terrible for others. <clears throat> and so it ju- that just kind of supports point A is along a continuum because people are going to optimize their health at different points along that continuum. So I think that's a maybe good thing for people to just keep in mind if you ever feel overwhelmed or stressed or whatever with all the nutrition info out there, have a hard time maybe deciding what path to go down or what way to eat just think that like you don't have to be an all or none person Mm -hmm. you can kind of pick different parts from each and figure out what works for you and hopefully that's another one of our goals with this podcast i think is helping people figure out maybe what works best for them yeah did you have any debunking left (laughs) um excuse me so not really like right off the top, like I certainly do, but I think for now, I think for now it'd be better if we, like you said, talk about kind of like the other side of things. Sure. And then I'm sure it will kind of lead us back into the the game changers stuff. Okay, cool. Because I just feel like we've, I don't want to overdo it. Like, yes, there's there's certainly still some things left in there that we haven't discussed, but I think there's some other people out there who have done a great job of identifying what some of those other ones were. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think we'll probably end up coming back to that anyways.
1: Yeah. Don't want to beat a dead horse anyway. Yeah.
0: You, you definitely proved your point in that
1: first and just opened the eyes to yeah. the, the stuff that was left out. So let's get into your little <laughs> experiment cool, that yeah. you did then. So when did you start? You, you, st- you started the carnivore diet. So you went the opposite end of the spectrum. Totally. What, what is that?
0: yeah so this was i started this last monday so today we're going to release this today this is wednesday i started this a week ago monday so carnivore diet for those people who haven't heard of it is kind of just as it sounds is eating only eating only animal products i should say i was going to say animal meats but there's kind of more to it than that but So yeah, eating only animal meats and other animal foods. So what does that include? So you're eating uh, beef, you're eating chicken, turkey, um, you can have fish, you can have, you can do it with or without dairy. For the most part, I did it with dairy. So I had some cheese, uh, mostly goat cheese. Um, You can have eggs, you can have organ meats is another big part of it. So I tried to have a bunch of like liver. I had a little bit of kidney, um, what else if I'm missing anything? That's that's the bulk of it. So, I mean, if you think about what that is, where you get it from, all of that you're obtaining from animals, right? So you have, this is the crazy part to most people, zero vegetable vegetables. I always struggle with that word. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Zero veggies, zero fruits, zero grains, zero wheat, zero nuts and seeds. Um, I don't know, whatever else people eat. There's none of that. So to give you an example day of my eating, it would be breakfast was usually something like I would have three to four egg yolks. So I'll maybe get into this later on, but I would cut the egg whites off and just have the yolks. That was for the most part to try and limit my protein intake. I don't want to confuse people, but we'll come back to that. Um, Often I would have that with like a ribeye steak. Um, Sometimes I would have some liver alongside that. Um, that was the typical breakfast lunch was usually usually some fish so I would have like maybe some salmon or some mackerel um, yeah that was usually always my go-to was some type of fish and then dinner was tended to vary a little bit there was usually some more beef in there sometimes I would have another ribeye steak actually but I had, I kind of got sick of the ribeyes a little bit I think, more so because I have like, uh, I have really big gaps at the back of my mouth that I should get fixed, but just haven't, like from when I got my wisdom teeth taken out, mm-hmm. I have big gaps back there. And when I eat steak, sometimes it, it will get stuck in there and it does hurt sometimes. So I think that was one of the things that kind of um, deterred me from having more ribeye because it is, I I mean, it's delicious. Obviously I love the taste, but I, so I didn't always have that twice a day, but sometimes um, what else would I have at dinner? Sometimes, maybe some chicken thighs. So thighs tend to be the fattiest. Um, yeah, I I can't really think of what else to be honest. It was like I said, it was usually some type of beef, whether that be like a roast, a steak. Um, maybe I'd throw some chicken in there. I honestly, can't think of what else. But that was the bulk of it. Yeah, um, it's pretty bare bones. It is really, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, so the other thing I should mention is what's called beef suet so it's it's pure fat um the macros so if you have i forget the like how many grams you would need but hypothetically let's say like 100 grams that's just a random number but within 100 grams you'd be getting like and again i don't remember the exact conversion but it would be 100 percent fat so it would be like (laughs) you know 100 grams of fat zero grams of protein zero grams of carbohydrates so like it is just it is pure fat yeah um it's often the i think they say it's often the fat around and this was beef sorry it's the fat around kidneys i believe um and they usually just throw it out like i actually asked my mom about this the other day she grew up on a farm she said they used to feed it to the dogs oh yeah (laughs) um the where i got it from and showed it to greenbrook farms which is where i got um all of my beef from so this is Grass fed, and Dion mentioned this, it's the same provider, grass-fed, grass-finished. I got the suet from them, and uh, same thing, like he said, between them and the butcher, they usually just throw it out because people don't want it. Um, people have heard of tallow. You can render it to make tallow, but I would just, sometimes I would fry it up a little bit in the plant, in the pan, or I've even started just eating it raw lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I would include that is just because... <coughs> it was hard to get enough calories in. And so that would, that would really bump up the calories and especially it would bump up the fats. But like another thing before I kind of proceed, and I'm sure there's listeners probably have a thousand questions already in response to what I just said, but the kind of the optimal way to do this quote unquote diet is what's called a nose to tail. So the suet's actually a good example. Like, this is normally something we throw out, but you are including this on that diet if possible. Things like liver, kidney, um, even other organ meats like um, heart, whatever it is, like, again, the best way to do it is to actually include those. And that's because it's because those are, I mean, those are the most nutrient-dense foods on the planet, like, period. I think I mentioned this on the show before, but... um, if you look at carnivores in the wild whether it be like foxes wolves etc cetera, etc cetera, when they take down an animal the first thing they go for so especially if it's a smaller hunter the first thing they go for is the organ meats mm. whereas nowadays we eat muscle meat right? right um the second thing they'll go for is fat which we also often throw away they'll leave the muscle meat for last so we're kind of doing things backwards mm-hmm. um And maybe we can get into some of the specific vitamins and minerals that are in those organ meats. But, um, yeah, to do it the right way, you you should include all of these. There's some people out there who do it by literally only eating, say, like 80% of the time, ribeye steaks. I have no idea how they do it and how they don't develop deficiencies. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, the diet in general, I I should just one last thing I should mention before I rant too much is... People are probably wondering, like, what about the veggies? What about the fruits? Like, isn't that bad for you? Like, what about all the nutrients in those? Well, that's actually where a lot of the benefit of this way of eating comes from is by removing these veggies and fruits and nuts and seeds and grains and all of that. But so, just to, I'll just try and simplify this as much as possible. But so, veggies and fruits especially, but also nuts and seeds, they all have these individual compounds in them that are immunogenic. So what that means is when you consume them, they can stimulate our immune system. And for at least, I mean, a lot of people that will trigger inflammation. And so... The group of people who are benefiting from this way of eating the most are people with autoimmune issues. Mm. Um, So these are people who, their inflammation is already sky high, right? That's what is, that's what makes an autoimmune disease an autoimmune disease is that their inflammation is like out of control. So these people all of a sudden remove all these immunogenic compounds that are from veggies, fruits, nuts and seeds. And this just like totally reduces their inflammation and then oftentimes they will i mean drastically improve their symptoms but also um like sometimes reverse or quote, quote unquote cure whatever they they have and so that's that's kind of one of the biggest benefits of this way of eating and then just one last thing so kind of one of the people who popularized this way of eating um her name's Michaela Peterson and she you ever listen to her story it's pretty wild like she used to have like terrible terrible arthritis throughout her entire body like from the age of like 10 or 12 onwards, she had severe depression severe anxiety Uh, her guts were destroyed and basically over the years from the age of I think say like 12 to like mid-20s she gradually started eliminating more and more foods until finally she got down to a meat-only diet, carnivore diet. And it wasn't until she was at that point where her depression was gone, her anxiety was gone, her arthritis was gone, and she just literally felt like a new person. And so there's a lot of stories coming out about people like that. So it's pretty cool stuff. Big question about what you are just talking
1: about is how would eliminating certain foods be able to have an effect on your brain like that?
0: yeah um so the easiest way to answer that is there's connections from your gut to your brain that's very well known nowadays um there's kind of like four different ways for that for those signals to actually get there but I think without kind of going into each of those right now is I think the best one which is also probably the easiest way to explain this is something called your vagus nerve so that's this is a nerve that literally goes from your digestive system, also from your organs, up to your brain. And it will, it will carry signals, signals of all kinds, including inflammatory signals. So if you have inflammation of the gut, it will carry those pro-inflammatory signals, literally, from your gut to your brain. And then it will cause like a secondary inflammatory response within the brain mm. so i when i did my master's that was like literally what i studied was like and of course yeah we used mice but the mechanisms we were studying are like well conserved across all mammals like it's the same mechanism is that if you stimulate a huge so we would literally just inject them with like uh something called ops the purpose of that would be to stimulate a, a huge inflammatory response. So like within the GI region, and then we would say, okay, when we give them this inflammatory response, like how and when does that actually travel into the brain? And it's, that's like, I mean, that's very, very well known Is if there's inflammation in even just like the rest of your body, it will get into your brain because there is that direct connection. So if you think about like, The foods we eat, um, I mean, obviously the first point of contact is the gut, but yeah, like if it, if that food doesn't agree with us for whatever reason, that can trigger an inflammatory response throughout the rest of the body and that will immediately go to the brain. And we know that things like anxiety, depression, all of that are significantly worsened with higher levels of inflammation. Hmm. Um, Yeah. So that's, there's there's definitely some other ways that it can get there. But I think just kind of like in simple terms, that would be the most common really. Cool. Now the difference between,
1: or I guess the uh, benefit to adding in organ meats uh, compared to just eating muscle meat all the time, what would be?
0: Yeah. Um, the B vitamins, especially um, well, some of the B vitamins. So like organ meats, Tend to be, they're really, really high in, I always forget the individual ones, really high in folate, especially, which is B9, if I'm remembering correctly. And B12, I think, is the other one. I have to double check those, but they are, if I'm getting those correct, those are, if you look at like foods that are the highest in these, um, those are like sky high in organ meats compared to other ones. Hmm. Um, but honestly, like, I mean, it, it's, it's all of them really. Um, like you could go down the list of like, um, all the B vitamins, maybe it's irons, obviously no issue. You're getting tons of that. Um, but even things like, like ones people don't think of like a, a manganese for example, or like a, like a riboflavin or, a, uh, what's another one like zinc or magnesium, or there's a long, long list where if you're not eating the organ meats and you're only eating the muscle meat, you're just simply not going to get these. Mm. So like the most common, there's kind of a couple, there's a couple that often pop up. So when people hear the carnivore diet, there's a couple of common nutrients that pop up where people go like alarm bells kind of go off and people go, well, you're not going to get enough of this one. Uh, Vitamin C is a big one, right? So, which is kind of a fair argument. Um, So vitamin C Deficiency is what causes scurvy. So, if people have ever read, you know, we hear, you hear these stories about kind of like hundreds of hundreds of years ago, sailors coming over from Europe, they would get scurvy because they would not consume any vitamin C. All of a sudden, you give them a little bit of vitamin C, like it doesn't take much. Mm-hmm. I think to prevent scurvy, you need like 10 milligrams per day, I think, which okay. is, very small amount like Mm -hmm. if you take one capsule of supplemental vitamin c that's a thousand milligrams Mm -hmm. so to prevent scurvy 10 milligrams so where can you get that um so it's high in adrenal glands for one which are they're the organs that we have that basically help us deal with stress so there's these stories um from the inuit who are they're 100% carnivore. So to kind of learn more about this diet, you can read about previous populations who are eating this way. Mm-hmm. And it's very well known that they would every once in a while eat adrenal glands to prevent scurvy. Mm-hmm. So that's one way. <clears throat> um, and that's the major one, to be honest. But the other thing is that, so for one, you don't, it doesn't seem like you need a lot of vitamin C to prevent scurvy. Okay, there's that. But is that like quote unquote optimal? Right, yeah. So probably not, maybe you need a little bit more, but again, you can probably get this from maybe eating that adrenal every once in a while. Um, maybe you do need to supplement every once in a while, but I know a lot of people would say that you don't. But I think the other like big, big thing here is that when you're not taking in a lot of sugar, a lot of glucose, you just don't need as much vitamin C. So there's kind of like some emerging research right now suggesting that your, your kind of like required amount of vitamin C that you need to consume when you're again, not eating these carbs, not eating these glucose, not consuming this glucose or sugar is like drastically reduced. And I can't really right now explain the details as to why that is. I just, I need to learn more about it, but it's, it's really interesting. And I mean, the other thing is So that's kind of like the scientific research side of things. But if you look at like anecdotal evidence, so people that have been eating this way for several years by now, they'll say that they literally never get sick. Like no colds, no flu, no infections. And if we look at vitamin C, it's important for the immune system, right? So Mm -hmm. you would think like, well, if they're not like... They're not getting enough vitamin C, but shouldn't they be getting sick all the time? Well, they're just not. So, like something's going on there, right? That still needs to be figured out. Yeah. Would that be tied back
1: to lower levels of like global inflammation too?
0: I think so, yeah. I think more so inflammation too, but I think more so like oxidative stress, which is kind of like it's I mean it's kind of similar to inflammation, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. And So vitamin E kind of goes into the same category in some sense in terms of, like, people think that that's another one you may not get enough of, and that's another one that's really important for the immune system, dealing with inflammation, oxidative stress, et cetera, et cetera. But this one, people, again, who have been eating this way for long periods of time, they'll do full lab works to see what vitamins and minerals and what levels they're at, and vitamin E is, like, sky high. So... (laughs) It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. As I'm listening
1: to you talk about it, I, I feel like the question for people listening would be we grow up and we, you know, your mom's like, eat your vegetables because you need your vitamins and minerals. Yeah. But what you're mentioning is that these vitamins and minerals are also present in specific meat and animal products as well. Yeah. Um, Would there be a benefit to getting the vitamins from one or the other? Or does your body not know the difference?
0: Yeah, there definitely is. And I think this kind of goes back. This will definitely tie into the game changers a little bit. I I can't even remember now like what specifics we talked about. So hopefully I don't repeat myself. But on average, the vitamins and minerals are more bioavailable in these Animal sources compared to the plants, the plant options. Sorry, mm-hmm. so that's another like shocker, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> like mind blowing. Um, so there's a few reasons why that is. For one, if you look at a few of the individual vitamins or minerals, so vitamin A is one. Which I'm pretty sure we did talk about last time, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe go back and listen to this part. But I talked about, I talked about the whole beta carotene versus retinol thing, right? Um, so I'll just quickly kind of recite that. So you would get vitamin A from a plant source in the form of beta carotene, for example. You'll, you can get it other ways, but that's one our body has to convert that into retinol in order to actually use it. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we're getting vitamin A from whatever, something like beef, it's already in retinol and that's how we use it. So it's already in that form. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a couple other examples of vitamins and minerals that behave the same way. Uh, Panthenolic acid, I think is one of the other ones, which so the, the B vitamins, Mm -hmm. they, they all have like, names like this and I always forget which is which but panthenoic acid which I think is it's b4 b5 I think but anyways that's another one that behaves the exact same way like we have to convert the plant source into another usable source and if we get it from animals it's already there so that's one thing but the biggest thing is uh something called lectins maybe people have heard of this so like lectins and phytates are the big ones so these are more compounds found in plants especially. So these are the one, mostly the ones I was referring to earlier on when I said they have some immunogenic compounds. So phytates and lectins are the big ones. So just think of these as like, they're like s- just sticky proteins kinda. Um, we consume them and they stick to like sugars. So what the hell does that actually mean? Um, basically what it means is that it, it blocks the absorption of the individual vitamins and minerals that are in that food that we're consuming it from. Mm. So to give you an example, let's say we are, let's say we're consuming Brazil nuts to get zinc. So that value that's shown on the ingredients label, maybe it says this has whatever, 20 milligrams of zinc per serving. Mm -hmm. When we consume that, we're not getting anywhere near what it says because of these, lectins and phytates because they just block the absorption it's just what they do why are these there it's because it's because these these plants don't want to be eaten so these are defense Defense systems yeah it's so which is it's wild right like it's that's why i find this so bloody and that's also
1: why like when people say like how, this is like a, a moral thing with like the compassion stuff for animals over plants. I'm like it, plants communicate and have defense yeah. mechanisms and things. It just doesn't look or sound or feel the same as ours. And it's, um, yeah, it's
0: I'll yeah. Like keep going.
1: This, this stuff is so interesting to me. It blows yeah. Up. I have,
0: this is, I can definitely say this is something I'm going to be digging into consistently for the next like several months. Cause this was kind of like a, Obviously, this is like this was like a paradigm shifting thing for me. Like, if you would have talked to me, or even go back some our some of our earlier episodes, I probably would have been saying like, get your six to eight cups of veggies per day, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's not that you were wrong then. It's just now your knowledge has expanded (laughs) into this whole other realm.
0: Yeah, so the these are that's why they're there is just defense mechanisms.
1: Um, so the plants don't want to be
0: eaten. Yeah, that's kind of this yeah. And I mean, just as simple as it is,
1: when still. you look at it, it's like, well, that didn't really do anything for the plant because it still got eaten. Yeah. However, those are built-in mechanisms that it has yeah. to try to. Well, hmm, I kind of think of it this way: like, if an animal were to, or we were to eat that plant, but we don't get the nourishment that our body actually needs from that plant because of these. It doesn't necessarily help that individual plant, but it could potentially deter something from wanting to eat more of totally like it's brother. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Like you, I forget where I saw this, but it was about a specific tree in Africa when a giraffe would start eating the lower leaves it would release a chemical that made it taste different, yeah, and it would be bitter to the giraffe, and then would deter them. So, like those leaves got sacrificed, yeah. but the whole tree was able to survive because it released these um, chemicals. It was—I don't know if it was a smell or taste. It, doesn't it was probably matter. a bit of both. Yeah. Some sort of defense mechanism to deter the giraffe from continuing to eat that tree, and it would move on to the next tree. Yeah, it would get a couple leaves, but then the same thing would happen.
0: So crazy. Yeah. So there's a few crazy things to that point more that I just thought of. So I don't want to forget these. So the first thing is, yeah, let me say this first. So one of the other wild things is, so let's just picture a plant for a sec. You kind of have in general, you kind of have like your stem and then you have your leaves and at the bottom you have your roots and your seeds. Right. So, It seems like the highest levels of these, and not just lectins and phytates, like there's a lot of other compounds we probably won't get into. We can just kind of summarize them as plant chemicals or plant stress chemicals. So usually there will be some in the leaves, some in the stem, and then the most are in the seeds of the plant. Because if you think about it, they get some leaves eaten, they're probably okay. They get some of their stem eaten, they're probably battling, but might be okay. You eat those seeds, it's toast. And so they're highest, most highly concentrated in that that seed area, which is like most important to them, right? They're, they're like, it's so crazy. Yeah, well stuff you don't even
1: think about, like watermelon seeds, they taste like shit. You don't even <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you
0: eat an apple core, but you get a bite of that seed, disgusting and there is something in the seeds of apples i read this the other day that's like a legit toxin i forget what it is but so yeah just don't even eat those (laughs) um and then the other thing is a lot of these chemicals within the plant are literally not created until that plant is pulled apart Mm. so there's some So how can I explain that? So there's, let's just say like X, Y, Z. So let's say this plant has nutrient X and Y. It has the ability to create Z, but when the plant is intact, Z or Z is not there. Something bites into that plant, it has a chemical reaction, and it creates Z in that piece of the plant that was bitten off Mm. because it's being pulled apart and chewed. It responds to being bit off by creating a toxin right it's why it's insane so, so saying that's not like a that's essentially it's an emotional response it's like fighting
1: back in a different way just yeah. a plant can't bite you or yeah cry or hit you know or run away so it's viewed as something different which is yeah. very confused it's yeah it's, humans yeah, humans are it's, weird it's, we have a weird way of bizarre, being compassionate with things
0: yeah in my opinion
1: it's a little different but so these fight phyt- phytates and phytates uh, is
0: one yeah lectins um And then if anyone's heard of like well so here's the crazy thing and this would be a definite counter argument is Mm -hmm. that you know what about like polyphenols antioxidants Mm -hmm. like i thought these things were good for us sulforaphane is one that's incredibly popular right now um and these all kind of go into that same category so and that's obviously a counter argument as well like well it's excuse me the argument is Well, what about hormesis? Like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Like exercise is bad for us, but it's then good for us. Mm. So that's a definite counter argument um, is that, well, maybe we can adapt to these and become, you know, stronger and fitter and have greater longevity by consuming these. Mm -hmm. I haven't, you know, I personally haven't really come to a conclusion on that yet. Um, It probably take me a long time to do so. Um, But again, I think you just have to kind of look at some of the anecdotal evidence again when it comes to answering this question. Like, can we adapt to these and become stronger? I don't know. Why are people feeling so much better when they remove them? Mm -hmm. But uh, then another argument, well, maybe some people have the ability to adapt adapt to these and maybe others don't. Right. Um, The other thing is... So if you listen to like some of the geekier podcasts about this topic, which I love doing, they'll talk about the existing research on like why polyphenols, why antioxidants are good for us. And they'll say that, okay, yes, some of the research will show that it's beneficial for us in certain aspects, but they'll claim that they totally ignore like the flip side. So they'll they'll basically claim that When people do research on these antioxidants, they are looking solely for the benefit of that antioxidant and they don't even look at the potential side effects Mm -hmm. or the risks. So, yeah, I think that's one that kind of still needs to be unpacked a little bit more. But again, like anecdotally, like why do people feel better? Mm -hmm. I mean, even if I just give myself as an example, like I would have... If I was benefiting from these, I would have felt that, right? Cause like I was, like I said, I was I used to crush like, you know, big ass salads on the daily. Like I would have a little bit of everything. I have, you know, spinach, arugula, peppers, cauliflower, it didn't matter. I tried to get as many veggies in as possible. So and I did this consistently over a long period of time. So you'd think I would have adapted. So then why now when I've removed them, do I feel so much better in terms of like my daily energy? has noticeably improved mostly just in terms of like being consistent all day long. Mm. Um, another thing, and this is one thing I've talked about on my, um, kind of some of the socials lately is I had this thing in my knee for probably like the last two or three months. It would come and go, but for the most part, like it would hurt quite a bit coming out of the bottom of a squat. Um, probably 75% of the time it was there. There'd be the odd day where maybe it felt a little bit better, but it would always take like 30, 40 minutes until it started feeling better An inflammation thing. It wasn't an issue. And now in only a little over a week, I'm all of a sudden at like three or four consistent days where like, I haven't even been wearing my knee sleeves sometimes. Cause it's just like, it's just gone. So like, why yeah. is that? I mean, there, maybe there's some other things going on. Sure. But I haven't really changed anything other than removing all of these so i like there's something to it right like why so many people just feel better Mm -hmm. um yeah
1: yeah let's let's go since
0: we're on to it let's go over the
1: changes that you've noticed in the last week and a half because we haven't really touched on that
0: yeah too much um so like i said the energy thing has been probably the biggest and I should kind of clarify when I say energy this is more so physical energy in the gym is different I think we'll at least leave that till later on in this discussion because that's a different issue but um, the mental energy has been like like I said drastically noticeably improved like zero crashes throughout the day whatsoever whether I drink coffee or not Um, some days and I did this several times last week. I would eat like two meals a day and just be like totally satiated, like wouldn't even think about food. And that's mm-hmm. not really a normal thing for me. So there was that. Um, the inflammation thing, like I mentioned. Oh, and then, and it. I guess before I go on to the the gut thing, because that's the biggest thing I noticed. Um, but I was going to say, like, you can notice inflammation in a lot of ways. I think, I think people don't maybe really realize this. So there's the joint things. There's, I think how you wake up first thing in the morning is another good indicator. Like if you feel just like if your body feels sore and stiff, that's an inflammation thing. Obviously like your ability to recover from training is another example. Um, like brain fog can be another example, how you deal with like stress, anxiety, that type of thing. So it's a long, long list. Um, but so what about the the gut thing? Cause this was, this was another, and I can't believe I almost totally forgot about this, but um, so I definitely, I've said this before, I used to have like pretty bad gas. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I got, I don't know, like 75% of the week or 75% of the days of the week, probably like end of the night after dinner, I'm like ripping farts for like the majority of the night. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I always kind of, and I've had this for a long, long time. And I always kind of thought it was just like, whatever, it's normal, you know? Mm -hmm. And the more I've gotten into this stuff in the past, like several months, maybe the last couple of years, I just kind of finally realized like, I don't think this is normal. Like my, when it's going on, like the gut doesn't feel good. Like they smell sometimes just terrible. Like something is going on here. Like that's, that's not a normal thing. Right. So ever since I, first when I started removing these, like I said, all these veggies, plants, nuts and seeds, et cetera, which I did before I went full blown carnivore, but I noticed a huge benefit to that just from doing that. And then in the past like week plus, I've probably fired like zero times. It's That's like, it's, it's ridiculous, which I think is also very counterintuitive to what people think.
1: Yeah. Because when sure. I first
0: threw this out there, people were like, sorry, geeks, uh, you're going to have to deal with a bunch of gas, right?
1: Yeah, because you're eating all that fat.
0: That's what people think. Yeah, but yeah. The other thing I should say is, again, there's a lot of things I noticed with the <clears> gut. Um, I can eat a massive meal, like 1,200 to 1,500 calories of like a ribeye, egg yolks, organ meats, whatever, feel really full, look in the mirror, and you like you wouldn't know that I just ate it was mm. really strange like you don't get bloated at all like obviously you eat a like a carb heavy meal um you look in the mirror after the meal versus before I mean right I'm obviously like you not only feel that but you look in the mirror and it it just looks like it, it looks bloated. full right yeah which yeah okay you know I'm full yeah so, and so we always like you know as humans whatever would have thought like oh yeah like that's just kind of what happens when you're full but then I did this and it's like well what the hell like so there was that and then just like the the digestion yeah like not that I really not that digestion was ever really an issue for me it was more so just like in the hours afterwards but yeah that's the other thing is like the digestion is just perfect i mean you just don't notice anything like you don't get any and again i I never had any heartburn or anything like that but there's absolutely none of that like you don't feel tired afterwards from quote-unquote having to break down all this hard protein to break down like that is there's none of that yeah it's so crazy so yeah because that's kind of like when people so christmas dinners or whatever
1: and you're all tired afterwards and people blame on the turkey but really it's just the fact that they crushed all these carbs yeah and they're just trying to their body's trying to figure out what the hell to do with all this.
0: Yeah, excess. exactly.
1: Um, so this, I don't, this isn't actually that big of a nutrition topic as of like the last few years, but there was a time where like fiber was something that everyone was talking uh, about. Brought that up, yeah. So it was like fiber one bars <laughs> and like added fiber to these cereals. So cereals, if you ever want to know like what the big trend is in nutrition and what the fat is, just look at what they're advertising on a cereal box. Because they always touch on it. It's either low fat, yeah, that's true, high fiber, um, you know, fill in the gap. Yeah. Whatever is popular right now, they'll somehow manage to package it into the marketing scheme on a cereal box. Something that I've noticed. So I think a question that somebody would have um, would be like, well, what about my fiber? Like, yeah. Isn't
0: that important for digestion? That's a hell of a good question. I, that's what I was going to bring up next. And then the other thing you should remind me to touch on before the end of this one, if I forget is because I realized I haven't even mentioned it yet is like basically how carnivore is also ketogenic. Okay. It's like no carbs. So I think that's people need to know that too.
1: I'll make a note here. Um,
0: Yeah. The fiber. This is another thing that I 100% absolutely need to dig into more. But again, there's lots of anecdotal evidence. I've been trying it myself. So anyways, Um, Um, it seems like, and this is totally shocking and paradigm shifting as well, but it seems like fiber, the way we think of it anyways, is not necessary. (laughs) So, and again, some of these people who kind of really geek out on this, who have done a deep dive into the literature on this specific topic, which i I fully admit I still need to do when it comes to the fiber idea. They'll say that based on the research, there's, it's not very, it's just not conclusive that we actually need fiber in our diet. So there's actually studies out there that show that in terms of like um, different GI issues, there's some data out there that shows that when we do increase our fiber intake, it actually worsens things. And the tricky thing about this, like people are probably going like, well, what the hell? Like, how do we trust the research? Well, no, it's just because these are like, they're more association studies, right? Mm -hmm. Which we talked about last time. So go back and look at that. But there are these studies that, and this is what makes nutrition so bloody confusing, but they're associations. So they, yes, they're sometimes... You know, sometimes they're asking people how much fiber you've eaten in the past year, say. So then they go, okay, well, group A tended to eat more fiber, group B tended to eat less fiber. Um, who did better in terms of health? Again, you can't say that that was specifically due to the fiber. Like, what else were they doing in their life?
1: Mm-hmm. Now they're. Who the fuck is going to remember how much
0: fiber? Well, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and on. not, yeah, like, that's so <laughs> ridiculous but there's, there is some other ones too, that will give like a, a specific fiber intervention. Like they'll say, all right, folks keep eating just the same way you've been eating, but we're just going to give you this uh, fiber supplement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, again, I have been, I need to do a dive, but some people say that there's enough research showing that it actually goes the other way around. Um, but I think just so that's kind of confusing, but let's just kind of simplify this as best as possible. I think this will kind of clear it up for people. And this was actually just someone who, I never even met them. It's someone who messaged me on Instagram the other day who I've kind of just been chatting with and they've been doing the carnivore diet for like the last several years. Oh, wow. And they had, they were one of the people who, one of these stories who had like these ridiculous benefits to autoimmune issues from a carnivore. And they're just, they just stay put now. They stick with it. Mm-hmm. So it was actually that person who said, well, you know, I kind of just think of fiber as like something that pushes carbs through all those, or sorry, I kind of think of fiber as something that just pushes all those carbs through our kind of inner pipes. And I just, I don't know, I just kind of like the way that sounds. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think even if you look in terms of like mechanistically, I think there is a lot of truth to that statement. Cause if you think about like these animal foods, they're so bioavailable, right? It's like we're going to absorb and utilize a huge majority of that. And so we I don't think we just probably don't need as much of that fiber to push that stuff through. So that's one thing. Um, I think it's important to also note like the whole gut microbiome thing mm-hmm. like because I'm sure a lot of people think that it's good for your microbiome, et cetera, et cetera, et
1: yeah.
0: cetera. I've come to the conclusion that we just don't know enough about the microbiome to make any conclusions really i mean even the statement this is a common one people always hear i think is you want a diverse gut bacteria right people always say that well what does that even mean and like why right Mm -hmm. like there's just and this like if you actually look at the existing research on something like this like it is so bloody complex and not understood whatsoever that we like like I said you just I just don't think we can make any conclusions at all about this right now so fiber being good for like your microbiome like well I I really don't think we really know the answer to that yet Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and so this is another example I think in my opinion where you have to look at some anecdotal evidence to kind of maybe form a little bit of a judgment on that right now Um, and then in terms of like, I guess like bowel movements, this is another funny one. I don't think I've, I don't know if it's that I haven't fully adapted to this yet, but my schedule on that is just totally changed. Um, in fact, if I think about it right now, like I don't think I've deuced and like, no, I did have one this morning, but that was I didn't the day before, and I think the day before that, it was, like, very small. <laughs> so, again, I don't know if people have been doing this for a long time. They say that that part does need to go through, like, a little bit of an adjustment mm-hmm. um, before that becomes regular again. But as I say that, like, I don't feel like I said earlier, I don't feel backed up. I don't feel bloated. I don't feel constipated. Usually if you are, if someone is constipated, you can usually see it in their gut. Oh yeah. I don't think I have that right now. Um, In fact, I think I've had a little bit like of a reduction down there. So I don't know. That's another thing that I'm just going to keep my eyes peeled for and see what happens. Yeah. Cool. But I think just in general, like, like I said, the gut microbiome and all that, I think it's, we just still need to learn more about it. Uh, One thing I will say is some of the, some of our savvy listeners out there have maybe heard about, um, short chain fatty acids maybe in the gut. So it looks like having more of these short chain fatty acids in the gut could be beneficial for health. So things like, again, this is for the people who are kind of digging into this. They've maybe heard of this, but things like, uh, Butyrate is one or propionate or there's a couple others, but, and so this is, this is one of the arguments that people have to support the whole like plants for gut diversity thing and whatnot, is they say that they feed those short chain fatty acids, which these short chain fatty acids are, they do serve a purpose down there. Um, I mean, I think they just kind of like help deal with bacteria down there and kind of help just like clean things out. Um, but the funny thing or the cool thing is we can make these from the amino acids found in meat. So I, this was something I just read. I thought like, that's ridiculous. We can also make them from, I did, I took a note on this. Where is it? We can make them from, uh, collagen as well Is the other one. And then where is that? There was one other mechanism I think that I... I didn't mention I can't find it but anyways so we can make these from like proteins we're getting from meat so I don't know that just kind of like it just seems like thus far whenever there's a counter argument there always seems to be an answer
1: Right? yeah cool um keto and carnivore
0: oh yeah thanks so yeah, so carnivore is it's it's a ketogenic diet also just because you're not if you're only eating meat you're not getting any carbs mm-hmm. that's just the way it is like so when I did that I, my if I included goat cheese which I did a couple of days I think my daily total carbohydrates was like eleven grams which for people listening that would be like eleven grams that's it'd be like a handful of berries. So, like, the average person, if you're eating, like, a standard diet and you're having, let's say you're having, like, one piece of bread a day, you're having two pieces of fruit, you're having um, maybe some rice or something at dinner, like, you're probably easily around, like, 200, 250 grams of carbs. Mm -hmm. So, just by nature, carnivore diet is also ketogenic because you're not consuming any carbs and so your body just flips into burning fats and flips into ketosis. So, that's where a bunch of the other benefits of carnivore diet come from is there's kind of like two sides. It's like you're benefiting from being in ketosis because we know that that has, I mean, hundreds of benefits that we probably won't have time in this episode to talk about. So that's kind of part one, a or a, and then the other side is what we talked about is the removal of stuff. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, so that's, I guess, now to kind of get up to date with my current experiment. Yeah. Which is because I've kind of just like adapted it now. So I'm going to stick with as best I can this carnivore diet. Um, But I'll do like a couple times a week. I haven't really decided yet. I'm going to do kind of like a little bit of a carb feed. So a couple times a week I'll have like. Um, like some sweet potatoes, like some berries, maybe some raw honey, whatever. So Mm -hmm. just to kind of restock that glycogen. So the reason I'm doing this is I'm trying to, basically what I'm going to try and do is stay in ketosis as much as possible, except for literally like during my workouts. Mm. So I'll have like a little bit of carbohydrates immediately before my workout. It'll be and. We'll talk about the details of that later, but a little bit of carbs right before my workout is kind of like a, to provide a little bit of sugar from or energy from sugar, right? I basically burn through that during my workout and then I bounce right back into keto after the workout. So it's, yeah, I, they call this like a targeted keto, it's called. Because um, classical keto, you would have like, your daily consumption would be like on average, 30 grams of carbs. So I'm trying to do it by having daily, probably like 60 grams of carbs. And then a couple of times a week, I'll have like maybe 200 to 300. But even when I do that, the goal is that the next morning you're still back in ketosis. Mm. So the idea being is that like, I'm burning through so much of this so fast that my body just uses it up and then it goes right back into keto. So you're trying to get the best of both worlds. It's like I'm trying to reap all the benefits of ketosis, which is like insulin sensitivity, stable blood sugar, reduction, inflammation, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm kind of having this small dose of carbs during my workout because we know that at certain intensities, you need that. Cool. So some people would call this like CrossFit sabotage, which it totally could be like, most people would look at that and say you're crazy and it, it is kind of crazy because crossfit is like the if there's one sport where you need carbohydrates it's probably crossfit yeah. <laughs> so that's so what run
1: an experiment to see if you yeah can so that <laughs> or find another
0: way yeah basically yeah. kind of like try and jimmy rig it and find another way yeah so what, we'll, we'll see
1: without those added carbs how do you notice your performance during your training when you're
0: so it's too early to say because i was on a deload week last week so volume was noticeably lower um save that
1: one for another day then yeah so today
0: i would call today no i guess this was kind of like the second workout of the week where i've kind of like officially implemented this the other day i i can't say because i the sleep the night prior for other reasons I just I had to get up early and coach and I had a crap sleep the night before I slept like three hours so I can't really say that workout if it was the sleep or this but today I tried this again um I had zero carbs yesterday so I was 100 carnivore yesterday um today carnivore breakfast had probably like 40 grams of carbs pre-workout today felt honestly unreal during training today um And then didn't have any carbs post-workout, measured my ketones post-workout. And I was back into, like, I would say, like, marginal ketosis. So my ketones were 0.2, which would be kind of like, you're getting there. You're not quite there yet. You want to be, like, 0.5, say, like, 0.5 to 1.0 to be, like, definitely there. But based on that, it seemed like I did it right. I burnt through that, and then I was back into keto or on my way there Mm post-workout. And felt great, so I don't know. I'm. Um, we'll see how things go, but <laughs> just, it's, it's just keep so experimenting. Far. Yeah, I just I was very torn about this for a few days when I was trying to decide whether or not to do this. But then I just thought, like, what am I like? What am I going to do for longer? What am I going to make a career out of or make money from? I'm not going to the games. I'm not an athlete. Right. I'm a I'm a scientist before a, a, an athlete. Right. Technically, mm-hmm. I like to do both, but you know, so if what's this the worst can that can to. happen? Like two or three weeks, I do this for two, three weeks. I feel like total garbage, whatever. Then I'll just eat carbs again. Like,
1: who yeah, cares? <laughs> the whole part of the experiment. And I think like that's the worst. That's the takeaway for everyone. Like yeah. that's what it is all about. You need to try different things. Yeah. If what you're doing right now isn't working, then keeping and doing it isn't going to work. Yeah. Any better than what it is right now? So yeah. Might as well try different stuff. And yeah, you're more than willing to be your own guinea pig. So. Definitely. I guess we'll check in on this in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and I'm going to do fun. my best
0: to kind of post it on the socials as much as I can. Yeah, so just
1: at Brain Ignition. Yeah, to follow along because your stories like every day. Yeah, like posting stuff about it. So
0: I try to. It's, it can be time consuming, but I do hear from people and say they find it really, really interesting. So, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, it's like look what this idiot's doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that's a wrap.
1: Yeah, let's check in. Check in next week.
0: Yeah, if you guys have any questions, let us know. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I'm sure you still have 100 plus questions about this radical weird way of eating in this experiment in general we're definitely going to have to revisit this topic i find it so interesting though i'm going to definitely keep digging into this so that we can bring you guys more content around this we have a bunch of cool stuff coming up for you guys Um, next week we'll talk about training versus competition so this idea that you need to earn the right to compete so this holds true in especially functional fitness, but also other sports too. So if you want to compete, you need to make sacrifices. You need to dedicate yourself to the off-season training. You cannot be going off track following another program in addition to yours. You cannot be um, participating in other competitions, burning yourself out. Mm -hmm. We also have some more guests coming up, um, some in the cannabis space, the entrepreneurial space. We'll have an episode for you guys before Christmas on holiday hacks. So that includes nutrition, lifestyle, what to do, how to navigate the holidays. Otherwise, if you guys like this episode, please share it with others. We'd be really thankful if you did that. That goes a long way in pushing us up those rankings, if you will, and getting this out to more people. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great week.